everybody, welcome to the Geek Generation. I am your host, Rob Logan, joined in the studio today by Paulo. Uh, how does this work? Do I talk first? Do you talk first? Come on. <laughs> Callbacks. Come on. Callbacks. Matt West. Howdy ho. Howdy ho. Uh, today is our episode focusing on Star Wars, The Force Awakens. It is all the buzz right now. We've all seen it. And from this point on, just to warn all of you, there will be spoilers like crazy. We're going to talk about everything in the movie in depth. So if you have not seen The Force Awakens yet, go away. Come back later. Fortunately, this is an on-demand medium, so this will be waiting for you at another time. Right. Uh, so go enjoy the movie first, come back, and then listen to our lengthy discussion on it. So we're stepping into the spoiler room now for uh, everything. Access granted. Welcome. Okay, so do we want to get into overall impressions first, or do we want to hop right into the movie? Let's do overall impressions. Overall yeah. impressions. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> it was Star Wars. Yeah, I was I was eight years old again. It was so awesome walking into a, a movie where I had, I had I did have a ton of expectation mm-hmm. because everybody said how good it was who had seen it, uh, but to walk in there with really no knowledge as to what was going to happen on the movie and and it was all new. There was no spoilers for me. Went in and yeah, it lived up and exceeded. And there were a couple moments where I welled up in tears. It mm-hmm. was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was what I hoped it would be. Great, Paul. Yeah, the hype was real. <laughs> the hype awoke, and it stayed awoke. Um, no, it was. I mean, I like I was telling you before, you know, before the show. Like, I think an hour into the movie, I realized that my face was hurting a little bit. Is because I was just I was smiling the whole time. Nice. And it's like you know, it's one of those things. You like when you don't realize you're doing something, and then you finally realize that it's happening. And especially when it's a positive reaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, what better uh, sort of review can that be? I mean, uh, like you know. Just, you know, little like I, I can't even like put into words. Like, <laughs> right, right. Like the incoherent like gasps and like oh, like just like <laughs> the the uncontrollable like escape of air from my mouth. Sure, sure. You know, like every time something happened or I saw something or you know, it, I mean, it's like seeing your old friends and then your old friends are like, "What's up? Here, here's the new crew." Yeah, they're back. And then the new crew is like just as good as the old crew. And you're right, like, this is awesome. I feel like I'm home again. Yeah. Oh, just like Han and Chewie walking by the hey, Millennium Falcon. Come on, <laughs> All right. There's going to be plenty of that going on today. Uh, I enjoyed it, too. I really, really liked it. I did have maybe one or two gripes that we'll get into as we go through. But overall, I mean, I was saying it online, too, is that this felt like Star Wars again. And we kind of knew that after seeing the trailers. We had faith in J.J. and knew that he was going in the right direction with this stuff, and it absolutely did everything that I wanted it to do. Uh, we have great new characters, like you said, that feel even more nuanced than the original ones that we had. There's some heavy depth behind some of these characters that we'll definitely be exploring as we move forward with this franchise. But uh yeah, very, very pleasantly surprised. Not surprised necessarily, but satisfied with what we got so happy there so jumping into the movie itself uh we get the opening crawl and i actually have that word for word so i can read that right to you <laughs> luke skywalker has vanished they just boom right there <laughs> all right established there's your whole movie yeah, right there. Awesome. there's our MacGuffin. uh we got to go find luke so luke skywalker has vanished 
In his absence, the sinister First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire and will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. With the support of the Republic, General Leia Organa leads a brave resistance. She is desperate to find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to Jakku, where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts. So one of the things I think they did kind of intelligently right from the beginning is it's not the Rebels versus the Empire anymore. It's clearly defined as new terms, the Resistance versus the First Order. And they're all capital. Like, Resistance is all in capitals. Rebels is all in capitals. Everything else was, you know, broken down appropriately. But that was – and they'd done that in the older films as well. Sure. But those terms were very much set so they they stood out for you. Mm What do we think of the opening shot? Remind me again. The opening shot of uh, we saw, I believe it was Jakku, and then it was a Star Destroyer, but like kind of casting a silhouette. I thought that might have been in, in retrospect. I think that was Star, actually Star Killer that you that they panned down to. Oh, okay. Because it was at first, I thought Star Killer base was going to be just a desert, not a planet. Right. So it was this blue planet that they they panned down to, and then you get the giant super Star Destroyer that blacks it out, and right. then you see these other right. ships. It was. I thought it was kind of a weird shot to start with. Like, we're not seeing any detail in the Star Destroyer whatsoever. We're just seeing the silhouette. And I understand what J.J. was doing. Like, that is a iconic thing for the movies to have that kind of Star Destroyer shot. You saw it in A New Hope. You saw it in Jedi. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing it from almost a different angle, but with no detail of the ship whatsoever. Right. But Well, I think, I think the whole thing of it, it literally blacks a planet out, I think, is just showing that size sure. in a different way. Sure. Mm-hmm. But. That makes sense to me. Like when the Star Destroyer first comes into into picture, and then you see the shadow of it over the planet. Did am I the only one that saw like an, a cross on the front of the Star Destroyer? Oh, there's Kinda totally like, something like, like that. The, front, yeah, like the cross guard saber, except on the front of the ship. There was definitely some sort of antenna array on the front that looked sort of like a like cross. sticking out, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like it wasn't the iconic like isosceles triangle. No, there was Star definitely Destroyer. some mm-hmm. sort of either an antenna yeah. array or whatever, and it did look like a cross. I saw yeah, that, and yeah. I was like, <laughs> "What does it mean?" <laughs> Immediately reading into everything in the movie, yeah, and that's yeah. why this is the geek generation because we notice things like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on Jakku, we see Poe Dameron arrive and to retrieve the map that has the coordinates to Luke's location. My question right away was, why is there a map to Luke's location? And why, like, I mean, we get into, we'll get into this more later, but why has this map existed for so, I mean, I guess it had to for like 30 years. Right, right. But yeah, I don't understand that. Like, who's making this map? Why is that important? Luke didn't make it. Right. R2 didn't make it. They're probably the only two things, people, droids that (laughs) knew where he was going to be. Why does this map exist? Why was it split up? I guess these are questions that you're not really supposed to ask, but it did feel like kind of illogical. But they might, they might be questions you're supposed to ask because when you think about the original Star Wars, um, and then Empire Strikes, but I mean, uh, Return of the Jedi, you hear about like the Bothan spies and you hear about, um, you know, I guess we're going to get a full movie about, uh, Rogue Squadron, which is going to bring us how the plans of the Death Star. Right. Rogue One. So, um, you know, it makes me wonder if maybe that's going to be something that does flush out later. How did this intelligence of where Luke was hidden get released? Where did they get it? All we know right now is there was a piece of a map that, that Poe Dameron has now gotten. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? Right. And that's something you can totally, between now they've got the comic books, that could get fleshed out. Like, did Luke actually leave a map, like, in, in case of emergency, break glass? Right. <laughs> I mean, it could have been, right? Because, I mean, R2 had half of it. 
And the other half of it was with the really old guy. Sure, sure. <laughs> I know technical terms, right? Really old Max guy. Max von Sydow. We Max can just von go with that. That was, a very, yeah. that was a very cool cameo for him to be in there yeah. as well. That yeah. was really cool. Like, why does Max von Sydow's character, who is clearly old enough to have been in the old regime mm-hmm. some in some way, shape, or form, like, why does he have the piece of the map? Sure. Why does R2 have the other half? Why? I mean, the Empire, explaining why the Empire has the other half of the map is easy. They could just say, like, oh, Empire Archive, somebody had stolen it before, mm-hmm. it the arch- you know, whatever. But then, you know, like, it kind of, it could drive a storyline later on that says, like, you know, why Luke is sure. missing. Or, I mean, we know why he's missing, but why he left the map for people to find, you know. And yeah. the, the legend was supposed to be that he was apparently supposed to be at the first Jedi Temple. Right. So if that was information that was either in the Galactic archives or whatever, and then the actual specific part of it had been pulled to hide it, um, that might have been an explanation where somebody who we don't know who, right. but somebody may have had the actual ability to just get that specific piece of information out of the archive right. to hide it. Sort of like um where they had um changes in the Imperial archives in the prequels where the uh the Empire's archives have been you know, parts have been erased to hide locations. Mm-hmm. So maybe a similar thing where somebody had that power to go in and, and try and protect where Luke was or where this information was. Yeah. Back on Jakku, Kylo Ren then arrives with the stormtroopers. They're also seeking the map. They totally trash the village, capture mm-hmm. Poe. Uh, of course, before they get a chance to grab Poe, he stashes the map in BB-8 and tells him to pretty much get lost and <laughs> go, I don't know where, just go. Just, just keep it safe. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that whole scene with Poe, like, I, like, the minute, like, after that scene, I was like, I'm on board. Yeah. I'm team Poe. Yeah. I love this shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, cause it was like, cause he, like, he kind of has shades of Han Solo. Sure. You know, like that sure. confidence and that, like, confidence that's derived from his ace pilot background. And he's, but he's also like a good guy at heart. He's like, he's like a, better more positive version of han solo sure, sure. maybe not as like weathered and sarcastic but you know and like the whole exchange between him and kylo it's like who i don't know who, who was first you me i don't know he's throwing the humor in right yeah, away like, yeah that's great and yeah. i mean especially for oscar isaac because i've only seen he's him great in like super serious stuff you yeah know? yeah and so leading up to the and so to see him be able to lighten the mood especially in a scene that is terribly dark mm-hmm. right I mean, that's great. And it, it got a big laugh in the theater. I was yeah. in it. it oh, was totally. a pretty cool theater, and, and it was a good laugh. It's pretty much the first joke. Yeah. So, yeah. But it didn't feel forced. No, it, it didn't. It didn't feel like, oh, we're going to throw some jokes in here. We're going to get some ha-has. Mm-hmm. No, it was just, oh, that was a that was a great little, and it did show how, I mean, here he is with this scary, you know, the next coming of Darth Vader, and he's face-to-face with him and can joke in his face. Right. That's his defense mechanism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> During the battle, one of the troopers never even fires his weapon. Uh, he goes to a fallen foe who reaches up and then smears the blood on his helmet. I thought that was a really smart way to mark that trooper yeah, for definitely. the audience. So now we can follow him because, as we see, he's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a... I liked that, the the contrast between, you know, Finn, or who becomes Finn. Mm-hmm. FN-2187. FN-2187. And a little bit of trivia. Do you know why he's called FN-2187? Uh, I don't entirely know, but I do know that 187 is the, the homicide code. <laughs> 2180, number, the number 2187, and granted a full credit to BuzzFeed, because I got this from a BuzzFeed article. Okay. Number The number 2187 is the number of the cell that Leia is stashed in. 
Cool. After they captured. So I JJ that took that number, applied it to Finn. And I, I, I don't know where the FN comes from. I think it's just like designation, a designation whatever, yeah. for the, for the, uh, cause they stuff. need a reason to call him Finn. Right. Basically. <laughs> I thought, I thought it was a great origin for, for Finn though, that he was mm-hmm. trained from the get go and, they pretty much make, although he's not, they're not doing clone troopers anymore. They're pretty much wiping their minds, getting them conditioned for, for war. And that he, the sight of this blood and violence snapped him back into, mm-hmm. wait a second, this is wrong. Yeah. I thought that was really cool when that really went. And the way they sort of played that realization with him, the way he was seeing things sped up and the way things, it really almost portrayed what somebody with PTSD might be sure, experiencing. Sure. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really smart the way they I like that. too that we find out later that this was actually his first combat situation mm-hmm. because if he had a history of just slaughtering people behind him, right. he's Why a lot less happen? sympathetic. Exactly. Yeah, it's, so. He's a lot less sympathetic and also it it happens so fast. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the gripes that I had about Finn's like character development was that I mean, it's like the opening scene of the movie mm-hmm. and the guy's already turning. You know, yeah. it's like there's no leading up to it. Like if there had been something like I can see how a very drastic, very violent situation can turn you. But it it might have it might have been more full of credit if like maybe it had happened several times mm-hmm. and you had seen it happen. Sure. Or, like it was, it was the, the turnaround was so fast. It kind of bugged me a little bit, but I think I'm OK with it. Yeah. Before the uh, capture, we said that Poe stashed uh, the map into BB-8 for safekeeping. BB-8 escapes with the map and comes across Ray, a scavenger, in a junkyard settlement. I, I the the whole thing with Ray and scaling the Star Destroyer, mm-hmm. scavenging for parts, and just like, I mean, I think she's adorable. Oh my, yeah, she's great. God. I'm so psyched that she's going to be the lead coming through here because you want to follow her. Yeah, and does awesome. she remind you a little bit of Lena Headey from uh, Game of Thrones? You know, the Cersei Lannister. I can see some mannerisms. Like, could have been like a like Cersei's daughter mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> biggest crush on Ray. Oh my god. Yeah, like she's like adorable, and the and the fact that she's like. You know, she's like this grizzled desert scavenger, mm-hmm. and she's like not to be fucked with. Total ass kicker. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, she's just like grinding out a day, like grinding out her life one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but she's still taking that abuse from the the guy that's buying all the scrap from her. Like, uh, uh, I was endeared to her right away. Sure. Yeah, you automatically feel sympathy for her because mm-hmm. she's clearly alone and has been here for a long time, as they established with the kind of scrapes on the yeah. side of her place. Uh, Ren then uses the force mind technique on Poe to learn about BB-8. They're back on the Star Destroyer, and he—that's uh, a new one. Yeah, to we had never saw Vader use that. No, he can actually read minds. Yeah, so now he's just pulling information out of someone's brain. So new force powers, yeah. yay! I think <laughs> that's fun. I think that's something from like some of the older canon or mm-hmm. like the older like comics and written novels like the ability to like put like read minds and not just control them but also read them Mm -hmm. i think that's something from the older canon because i seem to remember that from either from something that i read or from like the old republic or knights of the old republic or something like that Mm -hmm. one of the games so it's it's it exists and i'm guessing that jj just kind of brought it forward sure sure and i like that i'm calling him jj like (laughs) like i'm some kind of hollywood (laughs) jj and i last night we just went out of yeah uh stormtrooper fn2187 defects and helps poe escape in a tie fighter while escaping poe gives the trooper the name finn and their tie fighter is shot and they crash land back on jakku i I thought the the that whole fighter scene was awesome 
where they're flying out in the t- first of all with with the the gas line hooked up mm-hmm. and they finally get it out and they take off and mm-hmm. i just thought that that was that again it felt like that the first time even when luke was in in the millennium falcon yeah with, yeah with han it had that same feel we're, we're zooming through with the tie fighter and I was just awesome. Again, every time they did something new that made me feel like the old Star Wars, it was just, oh, my, my jaw dropped open again. Oh, this is great. I really enjoyed the dynamic between <coughs> Finn and Poe. I yeah. thought their chemistry was solid. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I could watch a whole movie with them. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then there's a big callback to that later in the movie where they obviously will talk about it, but when they see each other again, mm-hmm. it felt so real. Yeah. When they saw each other, they're like, oh, man, you made it. And Even though they yeah. only knew each other for a matter of minutes. Yes. But they had saved, you know, there had been a mutual survival Absolutely. piece. So, they had to, so later on, it, it just felt, things like that felt real. It didn't feel forced. And I think that was part of why. It just it the, the relationships felt real. Totally, totally, yeah, a total bro down. Like yeah, they re- <laughs> like re-upped. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, that, that that scene though, that scene reminded me why I hate Tie Fighters so much. Oh, like even though I like I you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm an Empire sympathizer. Oh no, I'm a Sith. <laughs> I, if I could be one, I'd be a Sith apprentice. But um. Like the the Tie Fighter is just so fucking ugly. It is. <laughs> it's a fucking ball with two squares on the <laughs> side. Like it it couldn't get any more basic. Right. Like you know when you see like an X wing, X wings are so fucking cool because like you see the wings spread out and you're like, oh, that is like Top Gun in space. Yeah. Yeah. But then you see the Tie Fighter and you're like, what fucking three year old built that with their Legos? Like, <laughs> I, like that is. Dis- There's like, something I mean, so cutting about the TIE Fighter, though. Like, it looks like it's slicing through space. Yeah. I mean, like, when you see it, like, especially, like you even saw it in this movie when it's like you see it against the background of the sunset mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, I mean, it's very striking. Yeah. But then in that scene where they're trying to escape and it just looks all clunky and it's just like <laughs> flopping around because of the gas. It like, does. Oh, just I get it out of here. Read Make a new one. <laughs> Time for new TIE Fighters. Yeah. Back on Jakku, Finn wakes up in the wreckage of the TIE Fighter, but Poe's nowhere to be found except for his jacket, which he takes. In town, he runs into BB-8 and Finn and BB... Oh, sorry, no. In town, he runs into BB-8 and Ray, and BB-8 recognizes Poe's jacket, and they immediately are like, thief, thief. Yeah. And he gets his ass kicked by Ray. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. to him. <laughs> yeah, I like... I love the fact that Ray is proficient with a staff. Yeah. Um, it It fills me with hope. That they may turn her into like a dual bladed user, mm-hmm. you know, at some point because she's already proficient with a long. Oh, weapon. we know that thing's turning into a saber. Yeah, like it they, has to. Like taking part of it and turning it into. The I housing. expected it to happen in this movie, but like, uh, like she reminds me when she was when she was uh, working with that staff. She reminds me of like an older character from the old Republic, uh, Satil Shan. Mm-hmm. Like she starts off as an apprentice, but then becomes a grandmaster very quickly because of her force gift, mm-hmm. and like. They even kind of have the same look, sort of, and all she would really need to do is let down little bits of her hair and Ray is like Satil Sean. Like See, the, I don't have a lot of expanded universe knowledge. I played some so of the older games. So I was like, thinking Donatello. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my brain goes. Uh they did a lot to establish in this part too that Ray is not going to be a damsel in distress mm. type of character. Not only does she beat up a couple guys to rescue BB-8. She takes out Finn. Uh, every time Finn grabs her hand, she goes, stop grabbing my hand because that's such a trope in movies. I felt like that was a direct comment towards yeah. all those movies where the guy grabs the girl's hand and they run away from an explosion or whatever. Yeah. And but, then, yeah. Then he, but then he keeps doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then and she like, actually grabs his it. at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think was, yeah, another kind of message to the audience. When he's down, she picks him up mm-hmm. and they uh, go off running together. 
Well, you know, they once they established in the original tri- trilogy, once they established Leia past the she's been in in prison. Once she got, she was always a super strong character as well. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see that they've uh, continued that. I mean, Ray, I think we all would agree is a stronger character in her first totally. movie than Leia was. Leia took a movie to really have that real strength shown, whereas Ray's just badass, mm-hmm. you know, which is which is awesome. Right from the get go, and I think that's her upbringing. I mean, she's upbringing. She's had to survive herself, mm-hmm. you know, by herself, scavenging to stay alive. Probably fighting off people trying to steal her yep. things that she's found, whereas Leia was brought up by the the, the Organa family, mm-hmm. so she's had kind of that palatial upbringing. Speaking of which, the guy who she was bartering with and would give her the uh, the rations that was Simon Pegg. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Really? That's awesome. Yep. Oh, speaking of rations, fucking inflatable bread. I know, right? Where is that in my bacon life? soda psh, there. Yeah, just I like know. in a tray of water, just <laughs> pop like God, and like Back to the Future flashback. That was <laughs> great. Yeah, super great. Uh, Finn lies and says he's part of the resistance and that he'll take them there. The first order then launches an airstrike, and the three search for a ship to escape. This was oh my god, such a great moment. They are running. Yeah. You you they point to a, a ship off screen and say, "What about that one?" And it's garbage. As yep. they comment, they run towards the the quad, whatever it was called, which gets blown up right in front of them. So they go, "The garbage it is." Pan over, Millennium Falcon. Audience fucking huge applause. cheers. Yeah. 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 Oh my god, what a great it was reveal. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody yeah. lost their mind. And then there's like one kid in my theater. He's like, he's like, you could hear him because he was like saying it so loudly. He's like, mommy, is that the Millennium Falcon? And everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So awesome. Cause that was the, that was the first, honestly, the first reveal of our old friends, if yeah, you will. Totally. You know, the, the, obviously the opening crawl, the Star Wars, the Luke, those all got cheers, mm-hmm. but this was the first time we saw one of our old friends and mm-hmm. it was the Millennium Falcon. And it definitely, that reaction, I was just, Oh, here we go. The people are already, they're tied in. They're, they're locked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they take the Falcon. Uh, it ends up breaking down in space after weaving through all the stuff on Jakku, some cool flight stuff. The, uh, Stuff from the trailer that we saw of going through the Star Destroyer, the crashed one. And speaking of the trailers, too, I had heard a statistic about them where I guess most trailers nowadays average showing anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes of movie footage throughout their trailers. The Star Wars ones, including all the TV spots, never showed more than six minutes of movie footage, which I think was so smart. Well, they said, I mean, I read a couple of articles where they say like a lot of the stuff that's in the trailer wasn't in the movie. That so, shot of uh Ren, yeah, the one that we first saw the like his lightsaber, yeah. that shot, and I paid a special attention the second time I saw it, is not in the it's movie, in yeah, which mm. was shocking to me. Yeah, there's so much of it that wasn't in it. Like um, there's like a couple other scenes too with Kylo Ren that didn't make it into the movie itself. Mm. Maybe it'll be cut out. Maybe they were cut out. Maybe they were just shot exclusively for the trailer. I have a feeling some of the stuff that got cut out were pieces from that kind of flashback uh, scene that Ray has that comes much later. Mm-hmm. Those there's kind of inter- visions. There's an interest. I'll bring it up when we get to that point, but okay. there's an interesting fact about that particular scene. But Okay. Was I the only one who was surprised that it was Ray flying the Falcon through the Star Destroyer? Because I just assumed... When we saw, because when you've seen the trailers, that it had, would be Han. We had no clue that he didn't have the Falcon. Right. So you're seeing the Falcon going, and I'm like, wow, he's flying it through. And then as soon as we're seeing Jakku, and then she gets into it, and they start flying, it just hit me. Like, oh, I made this assumption through the right. trailers, right. and it's her. Right. That's awesome. Like, just that was insane. And why wouldn't you make that assumption? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which was, again, it's just one of those, it's nice to have a spoiler free environment with that where, 
I was, that was just another piece of her. Like, oh, she's, she's flying the friggin' the Falcon and through this awesome, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like the, the flight that Lando does with it at the end of Jedi. It was mm-hmm. one of those crazy weaving into small areas. And yeah, again, right then I was like, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that scene though was kind of like the first instance in the movie where, um, they're trying to push you in the direction of who Ray's parents are. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't know who they are. You mm-hmm. just know that she's left on this planet. And like, I mean, the fact that she gets into the Millennium Falcon and I think, does, no, she sits in Chewie's seat, right? Cause she's like, you need a co-pilot. Uh, no, she's on no, no. Han's seat. Initially yeah, okay. she, she, oh, right, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So she sits in Han's seat. She's flying the Millennium Falcon. She can fly it like she's owned it her entire life. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like that first sort of push. I don't know. It just felt a little heavy handed. It's like, Hey, Guess what? Her last name might be Solo. <laughs> right, right. You know? But and, at the same time, it's also establishing that she's just strong with the Force. Because yeah. when they kind of reconnect after all that, she's like, I don't even know how I did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, that was a great little exchange, too. They were just, yeah. like, so excitedly talking just, like, over so each other. Teenager. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're so childish about it. And it's so endearing. Like, it, like, that's exactly what you would do if you were a teenager and, like, you would drive in a car for the first time and you drove, like, an F1 Pro. Like, you were yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what I was doing, but that was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. They, uh, they have some trouble with the Falcon. And uh, I thought it was funny that they referenced a bad motivator. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's definitely a callback to A New Hope for yeah. sure. Uh, where the movie kind of is predicated on the fact that <laughs> a bad motivator in one R5 unit kind of allowed everything to happen. Mm-hmm. And then you get the uh, great exchange, which was one of the biggest laughs for me in the movie between Finn and BB-8, where he gives the thumbs up. <laughs> yes. That was <laughs> oh a huge my God. laugh. Yeah. The BB-8 thumbs up was the greatest. It was so good. And again, it didn't, it, it still felt like something like that could easily feel not Star Wars and take you out of it. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It didn't. It, it felt just, it felt organic that BB-8 would have his own little emoticon ways of responding with yeah, him, you. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And I love the back and forth look for him yeah. between the, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. looking, looking at Finn, looking at Ray back, forth, back, forth. And the fact that, that BB-8 is like, I mean, you don't know exactly how old he is, but he's definitely like a younger sort of anthropomorphic, mm-hmm. anthropomorphized like per- personality. Like he's not. He's not R2. Like, right, R- right. R- the, the entire time we know R2, if you, even if you include the prequels, R2 is like this old, sarcastic, like, mm-hmm. know-it-all robot. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, I can do, I can do everything by myself. Just leave me alone. And like, he gets, you know, he gets upset really quickly. Like, he's, like, he's a wise ass. But BB-8 is just like this little kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, oh, I lost my master, but this guy has his jacket and, oh, he wants me to lie for him. Okay. And then he does the little thumbs up thing. And I was just like, ah! He's so good. Yeah, like he's like he's so much love more lovable than R2. Like mm-hmm. R2 is just like the guy that you want in a clutch situation, but BB8 is like your the friend that you And want. R2 was a wisecracker and BB8's like a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um we'll probably see more of that as we as we see BB8 with Poe Dameron. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be a lot of tied into who Poe is mm-hmm. because you see that bond between an astromech and their their pilot. Totally. And I think that'll happen. I think the other thing I really liked about BB8 Originally, when Star Wars came out, R2 was the big thing. R2 was the big, in quotes, cutesy character mm-hmm. until obviously later on you got Yoda and you got uh, the Ewoks, which were brought. But he was the first cutesy character that everybody kind of locked into on, mm-hmm. on, but you never got annoyed by him. It was never like, oh, if they're going to put any more R2D2 out here. 
Same thing with BB-8. BB-8, I was waiting for that turn in the movie where he becomes, all right, I've had enough of BB-8. Right. Didn't happen. Nope. No. He, they used him just in little pieces here and there. And, and he's awesome. Smart. Like, he's so awesome. Yeah. And they gave him some really awesome little just sort of like where R2 got his sort of, all right, I'm going to either zap, you know, Salacious Crumb with my, my taser or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just those little spots. He got his, they picked and cho- choose just right for him. So totally. That, you know, he got behind him, but he never became annoying. Which Fun fact awesome. about BB-8, too, there was a team of kind of voice consultants, like, in in R2, they'd use, like, converted sounds, uh, but there was actually a voice actor for BB-8 who they altered his stuff to create the sounds that you hear in the movie, and for this, that was Bill Hader. Oh, nice. Yeah. Really? I did see mm-hmm. that, actually, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's At cool. least that's what people were reporting all yeah. over the place. So. I, no, I believe that his, uh, I believe that was in the credits. Yeah. Oh, really? I think it was credited, and... I like that um, R2 no longer has somebody in him, but Kenny Baker was still credited as R2 consultant. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's awesome. Like, so he was still there. And, yeah. You know, but I know it's credits. Yeah. <laughs> so great. I would love to see like a DVD extra or a Blu-ray extra of Bill, Bill Hader voicing BB-8, but without the beeps and the boobs, just right. Bill Hader's voice. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> kind like, of the raw audio. Just like the raw audio from like, you know, everyday operations sure where's craft services (laughs) i need a sandwich (laughs) uh they're in space and now the falcon totally breaks down and a larger ship appears and kind of pulls them in and then we get that scene from the trailer and i was not expecting it at this point when the door opens they rush in and not just applause right away at first it's a There was a, there was an audible gasp from the audience and then it took a moment to sink in. And when they said we're home, that's, it was after that line because everybody won and that's when we all cheered. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, they talked to Han about Luke Skywalker and the whole thing with BB-8 and why they have him and everything. And Han explains that Luke was training a new generation of Jedi, but he then disappeared when one of his apprentices turned to the dark side and became Kylo Ren and pretty much destroyed everything. Mm hmm. Now, I mean, here's a question that I have because it was part of you, you saw it in like pre-movie stills uh, and then you also saw it in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Like that scene in the rain where you see Kylo holding his cross saber and then you see him surrounded by a bunch of other people who mm-hmm. are supposed to be the Knights of Ren. Right. Where I mean, we don't know too much about the Knights of Ren in terms of like where they come from. We just know they're a part of the House of Ren and then that Supreme Leader Snoke is somehow their emperor sort of. Mm-hmm. But did he leave? Did he leave training, join the House of Ren, and then come back with his knights and then say, you know, and then screw up? Yeah. How did that happen? I know. Like when? When did he have time to build his saber? Did he do it with Luke? Why, if he did it with Luke, why is it red? Like it just all these thoughts, just like it was just like this flood of information. Right. Like like, we need to know much, much more. Yeah. I was like, how? What? Oh. But then I just like enjoyed the movie. Enjoyed. Yeah. 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 There are a lot of things in this movie where they just kind of establish him and go, just accept it Mm -hmm. for now. Maybe we'll talk about it later. Maybe we won't. But that's such a JJ thing to do too. Mm Uh, Han's larger ship is then boarded by two factions of smugglers, both seeking payment from him. And after freeing some very dangerous creatures, they were uh, they had trapped on board. They all take off in the Falcon. Yeah, the, those creatures were fucking gross. Yeah, <laughs> they really were. They were like vaginas with tentacles and teeth. <laughs> just like they're just like wrecking the ship and eating people. And I was just like, mm. what? I, what I really liked about that whole scene was we'd seen when we first met Han Solo. 
he was a smuggler. He was there to, you know, they're buying passage to, to Alderaan mm-hmm. from him. And as we get to know Han through the first three movies, the, the, the holy trilogy, if you will, mm-hmm. he, uh, he becomes this heroic figure. I like to see that as shit's gone south with his marriage or his relationship with Leia and everything, he's back to the, to the slimy smuggler that he was before. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's why he had Jabba after him. He dumped a, you know, a cargo of stuff when, when boarded and, and owed Jabba all this money. And it seems like now he's got these two warring factions of smugglers who are doing, he's got everybody against him again. So I think it's interesting that instead of being, Again, assumptions that he would be the heroic general solo. And no, he's back to where he was. And he and Chewie are smuggling stuff and, and making deals. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. That was like, oh, no, he he went back to the old hand solo. That's great. Yeah. It was during this time, too, that we had the uh, when the creatures were being released and those doors opened up. We got that running joke that continues through Star Wars. Of, <laughs> I have a bad, bad feeling, feeling about this, this. <laughs> which was great. And some people, not in the first time I saw, it, but in the second screening, some people had like a, a laugh of acknowledgement. Yeah. That actually that. got applause in the theater. I was oh like, yeah, maybe a, a third of the people, but it was it was a good applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Han Solo, like I love the fact that they brought him back down, though. Mm-hmm. Like not that he's some sort of like a loft general of the the resistance or whatever that instead he's like that friend you know that friend of yours it's kind of like a fuck up sure like every time you you see him maybe like every six months or so he's still your friend you're really you know you you hang out with him or whatever but he's kind of a fuck up but then <laughs> but he's still getting by somehow you know yeah, yeah. It's, it's that endearing quality i think that i really loved about the because he always you know. talks his way out of it yeah, yeah. He's, always he's so good at it yeah he's just like he, he can talk his way out of any situation except yeah. for this one because the Giant vagina monsters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the Starkiller base, Supreme Leader Snoke feels the pull of the light side in Ren and reveals to us at that point that his father is Han Solo. I think the reveal of Smoke, uh, Snoke was my first sort of eh moment of it, only because he lo- I was waiting for him to be Supreme Leader that he shall not be named. He looks exactly like Voldemort in the first Harry Potter. Mm. That was the only downside, and it just it's tied to how they did the CGI for him. Mm-hmm. It didn't pull me out of it, but it sort of was. Oh, I I was looking for something different. Yeah, and there was Andy Circus. Everyone was wondering yeah, right. what Circus's role in the movie would actually be. We all thought it was going to be some sort of mocap because that's just his thing. That's his, yeah. And it was Supreme Leader Snoke, which we'll no doubt see much more of moving forward. And I've heard I've heard speculation that that might be eventually Darth Plagueis. I have no idea. Snoke who that is. is Plagueis. That was because Darth in the uh, the second round of trilogies and in in the Star Wars, uh, it actually falls into canon. Darth Sidious talks about there was, and he actually uses the turn Anakin helped turn him after um, uh, just saying how there was a a Sith Lord who had embraced the dark side of the Force and was able to bring people back from the dead. Oh, um, and so when when Padme dies. That's part of the whole, is there a way that we can work together and figure out how to bring her back? So that mm-hmm. was sort of that whole poisoning his mind about Darth Plagueis. Um, and I'd heard some people bring that up that maybe Snoke was Darth Plagueis because if he could, you know, he eventually was killed by his Padawan or his, uh, his apprentice, which was Darth Sidious, supposedly. Mm-hmm. They have now, well, maybe he was able to, you know, bring him, his force ghost was able to bring himself back. I don't know. This is, again, it's, it's, it's an idea. It's out there, but. It could definitely. Be well, we don't even know that he's a physical being. No, we've just we're just we're seeing holograms. He's a hologram. Yeah, but also, oh yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. yeah. Was I the only one that thought like 
Damn, that guy is it's huge. huge. His lightsaber must be gigantic. I was thinking, oh, he's way too, is he a giant? How would we? Yeah. And then you, you see that that's just his hologram. Right, okay. right, right, right. Which yeah. kind of like took some air out of it. Like bit. there was something intimidating about having this giant Sith Lord. He would have laid the smack down on a rancor like one hand. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I mean, to your point, Matt, I mean, Plagueis and Snoke, they both have that like sort of wrinkled, like weird, pale complexion. Like I've only seen like artist renditions of what Plagueis looks like. But I mean, they both kind of have that weird sort of like Voldemort Gollum look, you know, like and maybe not Gollum, but like small eyes, very pale skin, this kind of like loose, like uh like you know, loose. It's where you like you lose your vitality because you've tapped into that deeply into the dark side of yeah. the force. Like the extreme version of Sidious after he get you know, after he turns all wrinkly and gross. Like it it they both kind of look alike. I mean, that'd be great if they brought him back. Cause then it's just like, whoa, that that the he really is the big bad. Yeah. The Falcon crew then arrive on the planet Takodana, where Han has taken them to meet Maz Kanata, who can help BB-8 reach the Resistance. Uh, Ray feels the pull of something in a chamber below and goes down to find Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber, the same that Luke used and lost at Bespin when his hand was cut off. And of course, when she touches it, she has the intense kind of mysterious vision, then recoils in horror. And we got some great kind of callback stuff in there. I mean, we saw R2. We see the clip that we saw from the trailer of Luke reaching up and touching him with his kind of deteriorated robotic right. hand. Now it's just kind of skeletal structure. That's where that tra- that from the trailer, the right, what's right. going on here that happened. We yeah. hear uh, some Vader breathing in there. We mm-hmm. hear Yoda's voice here and there. Uh, we see, like you said, the images of the Knights of Ren and Kylo returning and kind of killing everyone. We get a shot of Ray, clearly a young Ray, being kind of dropped off on uh, Jakku and then that ship flying away and leaving her there which opens up so many questions to everything. Yeah. But uh, that was a pretty crazy, intense scene. So the the fun little bit of trivia that I was talking about before, that it relates to this. So I read an IGN article about an interview that J.J. Abrams did after the movie came out talking about how he did such a great job of pulling like old sound files and pulling back characters from the previous movies, not just from 4, 5, 6, but also from the prequels. Oh, wow. Um, so in this part, there's actually like a bit of uh, voice acting that's done by uh ewan mcgregor uh, obi-wan oh wow and so it's and it's but it's from the prequels mm-hmm. but what they had originally planned was they brought in uh ewan mcgregor <laughs> i almost called him obi-wan they brought in <laughs> ewan mcgregor to record a bunch of new lines oh, wow. for that scene but it ended up not working out so they just used some of the pre-selected uh cuts from like the prequels and that was like his way of honoring Obi-Wan in mm-hmm. this movie because obviously he was such a huge character sure. leading up to this point. But yeah, the, so he's in there. There's like, a, I, I don't know the lines, but it, he's definitely in there somehow. The two things I took away from that whole, that whole scene. Uh, the first piece was I liked how JJ Abrams chose to selectively use CGI characters in, in that den of that bar, whatever you want to call it. There were a lot of practical mm-hmm. characters. But you did have a few CGI's sprinkled in there mm-hmm. that didn't feel like, all right, the entire thing is green screen. It felt like a, you know, there was a, a definite set they were going through and a couple of the aliens needed to be fleshed out more. So they went CGI with them. When the whole scene with the scene where Ray touches the, the lightsaber and has all these flashbacks and sort of visions at that point, my, my sort of interpretation of where the movie was going and it didn't go there yet, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, 
was that she's actually, I think she's going to be the younger daughter of, or the daughter of Luke Skywalker. Okay. And I okay. think what's going to happen is this, and this is not based on anything other than just me seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he was beginning to train Jedi. And when the Kylo Ren fallout happened, Kylo Ren did, you know, he, the, the Knights of Ren killed basically all the, the Padawan who were or trainees. And I think that, and in the same way that Luke and Leia were split up, mm-hmm. I think they just, they took Ray and got her the heck out of Dodge and were like, you know what? She'll be safer if she's hidden and no one knows who she, she's probably, well, she looked like she was seven or eight when that happened. Mm-hmm. We're going to get her out of here. She's disappeared. Luke's disappeared. Obviously, Kylo Ren would be more, more directed at killing Luke. Sure. They wouldn't worry so much about the daughter because if, if Luke's dead, what's she going to be able to do? Right. But that's where I think it may go. And that's why the force is strong with her. Okay. Um, but that's my, and, but that was, that came to me when that whole scene was going, they tied her getting dropped off. And I think it happens soon after you see the Knights of Ren killing people. Mm-hmm. So if it's looked at chronologically, sort of the way they show those visions, that was sort of where I was like minutes later going, right. I wonder if this is what they're going to do. I had some similar thoughts to that. I, I definitely feel like, uh, Ray was part of that training regime, like was one of the Padawans that Luke was training for sure. It also explains some things that we'll get to later on where it was like, wait, how the hell did she know how to do this? How the hell did she know how to do that? She's kind of going back on muscle memory and doesn't mm-hmm. realize all that stuff is happening or that she has any experience with training whatsoever. She just doesn't remember it. She's probably too young or any number of reasons why she doesn't remember. But I, I definitely have seen the theory online that she's Luke's daughter. But again, Jedi are supposed to be celibate. So unless he slipped up somewhere, then he wouldn't have a daughter. But my thought, and I think it's the other kind of popular theory, is that like Luke and Leia, it's actually Kylo and Ray, right, right. twin brother and sister. Or if maybe not twin, then at least older brother, older sister. brother, younger sister. And because Kylo turned, that made Ray immediately like, oh, there's potential there for her too. So we mm-hmm. have to, we have to stash her somewhere else where he can't get to her. My thought on the Luke being, but Luke was not around the older Jedi Knights to have, other than Yoda. Mm-hmm. And Yoda may never have even, I mean, he didn't finish his training with Yoda. Right. So he may never have had, unless he was communing with Force Ghosts like they talk about. Right. Um, he would never have had that whole, you know, you need to be celibate thing. True. Good point. So, you know, that could, that may be a null point at this point because that was the, the Jedi code then. Right, right. But that's at this point, we're looking at like 60 years removed. We're at like Neo Jedi's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, the reason, the whole reason I didn't even think Luke was in the picture in terms of the parentage at all mm-hmm. was because of the celibacy thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Catholic Church, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm getting a little controversial here, but it's kind of like the Catholic Church. You know, at one point they were like, no, we don't like gay people. But now they're like, you know what? It's okay. Right. It's, we're, we're facing the, and the Jedis are changing world. too. Yeah. I mean, the Jedis were eliminated. You had one left. Right. I mean, he could make up the rules. That's very true. Like, I mean, who cares? Like nobody would be there to tell him like, no, you can't have sex. Like, you know, maybe he did take a wife. Maybe he did have kids. But like one of the theories that I saw that I, I tended to favor was because, or because it, it kind of leans in the direction that the movie is pushing you in mm-hmm. is that uh, Kylo and Ray are brother and sister. But because of what happened with Kylo, they somehow either force wiped their memory or like somehow induced amnesia mm-hmm. into uh, forgetting who Ray was. Yeah. And stashing her on Jakku because they knew 
that there was the potential for darkness. Right. I mean, they keep saying it like the, the problem. One of the things that got to me throughout the movie was like when uh, Leia and Han were talking about Kylo. There was like, oh, he had too much Vader in him. Right. Kind of implying that there's like there might have been someone else who maybe did not have too much Vader in her. Sure. I don't know. Maybe it's the movie pushing me in that direction. I don't know. But it made so much more sense to me that there would be some sort of like complicated plot Mm -hmm. to like keep their daughter safe. Yeah. And that at some point they're just going to remember, they're all going to remember at some point and just attribute it to the force. There were several uh, references or hints that Han definitely knew who she was, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not she's actually Han's daughter or Luke's daughter Mm -hmm. or somebody else. There was clearly many things like going that direction, like the way uh, Leia embraces her at the end. Granted, they both lost somebody, Mm -hmm. but uh, also Maz asking him blatantly, tell me about the girl or something along those lines. So Han for sure knows who she is. And it would certainly set up for episode nine. If you think about ultimately, I would I would think that you are heading towards what if I were writing it, it would end up. By episode nine, it's going to be Rey as the Jedi mm-hmm. facing Kylo Ren as the Sith. Totally. And I mean, that's, that's a great story. If they are brother and sister, ultimately, or cousins, regardless, either one, it really does build this great story. I think that it does. It's really intriguing. I think everybody will still follow. Yep. So then going back, uh, Maz joins her in the chamber after she finds a lightsaber, attempts to give it to her, but she rejects it and runs off. So Finn takes it for safekeeping. Learning of BB-8's presence there, the First Order attacks Takadana, and I liked how they kind of uh, did both sides. There was someone that uh, replied to the Rebellion and were like, oh, or the Resistance, and were like, oh, uh, BB-8's here, let him know. And then right away, someone, the First Order, BB-8's here, send someone. So mm-hmm. we know that they're coming in from both sides. Meanwhile, Starkiller Base destroys the Republic-controlled Hosni and Star System. So... In the vein of making things bigger and badder, as <laughs> all movies do, we have this giant friggin' thing that takes out a star system. In one shot. Instead of just, oh, yeah, one planet. That's insane. Yeah, that <laughs> it's just like bigger and better in the most extreme way possible. Yep. It's like this the, the old Death Star was kind of the size of a moon. It fired a straight beam into a planet, planet exploded, whatever. <laughs> Starkiller base is like a fucking planet that can shoot, I guess, across galaxies. Yeah. And like not only shoot across galaxies, but split the beam up. Like a smart beam. Right. That knows exactly <laughs> where to go at the end of it. And it yeah. Is, and yeah. It was just, when you think of the physics of it, it's the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. But in the world of Star Wars, you just go, okay. Yeah. Sure. It and, is. And also like, you know, the power source. They talk about it later on. It's like, it's powered by the sun. Right. It's like, well, okay. So you've shot it once and you're trying to shoot. So you're telling me that your star system has two suns at least. And is this thing moving? Yeah. It's like, a planet. How is it getting to other stars to shoot those? Like, is it, does it have a propulsion system? System? Like, what is the atmosphere? It's I mean, so obviously, confusing. you guys have snow. There must be an atmosphere. Right. Like, <laughs> it's so confusing, but it's something you just have to not think about. Yeah. I loved when they uh, they brought up, here's the play, here's the, the original Death Star, and they brought it up, like, here's Starkiller Base, and it's like, it's holy huge. shit, the thing's huge. Yeah. Yeah, literally built into a planet. Uh, on that scene, when, um, when the uh, First Order has arrived, they're trying to get BB-8, this is when, um, when Rey has gone missing. And the uh, Rogue Squadron comes flying in, or the the Rebels. Did that? Um, did that get the cheer for in the theaters you guys were at when all of a sudden the the X wings fly in to make the save? 
it got one a, of the showings it did. It got a big cheer when I, I and I thought that was cool. It's like yeah. here, and all of a sudden they fly in and the X wing opens its wings and the people erupted. I thought that I love the reaction. One of the coolest things was just the ongoing reactions in the theater. I was totally like, just made it even more fun. Yeah. Han, Chewie, and Finn battle the First Order with help from a squadron of Resistance X-Wings led by Poe, who we find out survived the crash on Jakku. I feel like some people didn't even realize that was Poe. Yeah, I don't think you had enough FaceTime with him yet. No. I, I realized it was him, but right I... Right away, I, yeah. Uh, Kylo Ren finds Rey alone and takes her to the Starkiller base. There, he attempts to pull the map from Rey's mind, but she resists and pulls something in reverse that he's afraid he'll never be as strong as Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Now, there, one of the things that I kind of had a beef with in the movie is how often Kylo Ren takes off the helmet. Mm-hmm. I do wish the first reveal of his face had happened on the bridge with Han. Then that was like the yeah. first time, because it would have made it seem like he was rejecting the dark side more so than... Uh, like, it would have pushed us in that direction, even more so visually. But... The acting in the scene was done so well, you had to see Adam Driver's eyes mm-hmm. to really yeah. see this work. So I understand why they did it, even though I wish there was some way they could have avoided it. I mean, he's a good enough actor. I mean, he's Juilliard trained, uh, you know, did really well in Girls, um, and he's been in a bunch of movies before Star Wars. I mean, he's a good enough actor where you kind of want him to take off that mask because mm-hmm. you want to see his face. Granted, that nose is disgusting. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I love the guy. I love his acting, but that nose is just like this big. Like, it looks like it broke at one point. Like, it's just this, he has a very striking face. Yeah, yeah, it's very like yeah. I definitely and it was weird. Like, I saw like a resemblance between him and Harrison Ford at one point. And I was like, wow, maybe they really could be father and son. Sure, but um, like okay, so in that scene, he takes off his mask and he puts it in this like ashtray and it seems super heavy like yeah. boom it's like every time he puts that thing down it's just like thunk. yeah like it's like this like metal like like it's like when piccolo takes off his like his totally gear, yeah yeah you know and like so he puts it down in this like ashtray is that darth vader's ashes that's what i that's what i thought right interesting because he has the mask right and so right. they must have so he has like, the ashes from the pyre they must yeah. have all these i like, did not think about that but that's freaking awesome if it's the that, case. that's what that's what i took from it awesome and yeah. kind of gross yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah because he's breathing through the mask and then he put them it, mm. yeah yeah are you that much of a fanboy really you know i love the <laughs> <kinda> early, is. <laughs> the earlier scene where he's talked where he ultimately moves and he, you see these talking to the mask but I love that he just he's saying grandfather like he's referring yep. to, to Darth Vader as grandfather. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. That was just one of those little things that I was I like this. This is cool that because that was after the reveal that he was Ben Solo. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that and once he's re- related to Darth Vader and he's totally saying grandfather, I thought that was just great. It was, it was right, great. That's cool. She then escapes her shackles by using the Jedi mind trick to control a stormtrooper. And that was my first like, what the fuck moment of the movie? Like, how the hell does she mm-hmm. with no training? understand that this is even a possibility but like we were saying before considering the flashback that i didn't pay as much attention to the first time and i got more out of definitely watching the second time this feels plausible now like she's just muscle memory well if she's highly force sensitive right i mean she just went through a period where the guy the biggest antagonist she's met to date is trying to force his way into her mind Mm -hmm. and she pushed back right i mean if like she, I mean, if she's a quick learner, she could have probably just figured it out. I mean, that's what I took away. At from the very her. least, she 
read his mind and was like, wait a second, I was able to feel his fear rather than him getting into my mind. Yeah, maybe I maybe there's something I can do with this. For me, it was like Superman going, oh, wait, I have heat vision. Like, that doesn't (laughs) just happen. Like, I wonder if I have heat vision, like trying all the possibilities. So it did feel a little strange, but at the same time, if it is a muscle memory type thing and she was being trained and just forgot, it makes total sense that that's an option. I wish the movie had explained it. Because unexplained, it does feel weird, and I don't like it. I understand they're building a trilogy, but I still want movies to be self-contained. Yeah. And I want certain answers to certain things. And that was one that was a little bit too much of a hanging thread for me. With that scene, it's it's still one of those, it, it, it you know, we'll see if it's proven wrong or right. But there is a rumor that the stormtrooper in that scene is Daniel was Craig. Daniel Craig. Yeah. yeah. All right, so rumor. I'm not the only one. Oh, so it's, it is. All right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, because I'd heard that and I'd read it in a couple places, but I was it's still it's internet stuff, so you never know. Right. Yeah. I heard the rumor, uh, and it was supposedly by reports from crew members and mm-hmm. things like that, and even Simon Pegg slipping up at one point and saying something along those lines. But uh I heard that in between my viewings and during the second viewing I paid very special attention. Voice wise I couldn't tell. No, it didn't sound voice wise like But it could have been altered so much that we mm-hmm. wouldn't but if you, you could have done at, a VO on it, it wouldn't matter. If yeah. you watch his mannerisms though. It's Daniel Craig. Yeah. yeah. Oh it's my like God, James yeah. Bond. <laughs> James it Bond is. in a Stormtrooper suit. It totally yeah. is. He moves just like him. So I was like, it had to be. And I well, think that, if it is, that's great. I think like uncredited, you know, under the mask. It's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. He said he did it for quote unquote shits and giggles. Yep. And I, I like after I like I, I slipped up and I read that before I went into the movie. Uh, so like, cause I it was like Daniel Craig's in Star Wars. Like I don't get what. Yeah. But then like. I went into the theater and I was waiting for the scene. And then when I got to the scene, you couldn't tell in the first pass, like whatever his first line was. But then the second line, the the sort of inflection, the, mm-hmm. the British accent, the the inflection in his voice, like I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew a little yeah. bit. But maybe that might have been my mind being prejudiced by prior information. <laughs> right. But like going into it, like I was like, well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And I'm sure that if you had the kind of clout that he does being, you know, he, he could have gotten word out to J.J. Abrams and listen. I'll fly myself in. I just want, I don't have to do anything. I just want to be under, sure, we'll put you in. You, how many people do we have just extras under masks? Yeah. And Daniel Craig wants to be one. I'm sure there was. Well, the fact they shot in London. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was just he like, wasn't even having to fly. He's there. Right. He so, apparently just walked over from the Spectre set, yeah. more or less. <laughs> like, yeah. I think, I think he said like they wrapped on James Bond and then he kind of didn't have anything to do. And then his agent just kind of threw it out there and was like, Hey, want to be in the Star Wars movie? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Because who <laughs> okay. says no to that? Right, exactly. Yeah. But he did it in the most British way possible. Totally. He's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like walks over and then puts on a stormtrooper suit. That's true. That's great. I love it. Han is reunited with Leia, only to be interrupted by C-3PO in classic 3PO <laughs> fashion. That got a big laugh. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Uh, then the group are brought to the resistance base on Dakar. We finally see R2D2, who's been powered down and remained that way since Luke left. Did you guys find, um, my wife brought this up. Did you find anything with, uh, that C3PO's voice sounded higher than, like, it was a higher pitch? I know it's still Anthony Daniels, mm-hmm. but it didn't sound in, the, it was, it was, for whatever reason, it just came out, it was higher pitched than normal. Maybe it's just cleaner. Yeah. Maybe with it being, yeah. I thought that the sound quality was just a little bit better. And so that's why it sounded a little different. Maybe that, that's probably what it was. Either that or it's just the, the filter of time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not hearing C3PO's voice for so long and then hearing it again. I don't know. Yep. Uh, Starkiller base prepares to fire on Dakar by draining a nearby sun and the resistance devises a plan to sneak onto the surface and lower the planetary shields. Allowing for an attack on its weak spot. Wait, what movie am I watching again? This feels very familiar. Yeah. There's always a weak spot, Rob. Yeah. There's always a weak spot. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, I did find it kind of weird, too, because R2 clearly powers up later on. And I'm wondering how much of the movie could have been avoided if R2 just powered up now <laughs> and gave them the piece of the map he had. Because BB-8's right there. Yeah, They could have done that whole ending sequence way earlier. Yeah, but they still got to sell another, what, I know, 45 minutes I know. of the movie? But come on, R2, get your shit together. The Galactic Empire <laughs> needs to get better contractors. The ones they're using always have weak spots. They yeah. Gotta get just, yeah. <laughs> like, why not just don't build a weak spot? <laughs> yeah, that's how like, about that? That's like a contractor building a high rise and being like, oh, by the way, this one beam this right here, here. <laughs> this beam will take down to the entire building. So granted, do not do anything. To granted, that. in their defense, this time it was not only take down a shield, but they also had to punch a hole yeah. into it. It wasn't just this exposed, like, like raw nerve like yeah. it always had been and admittedly i was not in the moment was not being wow come on it's just the same that's fine it's good i like it <laughs> yeah although i mean when you saw the image of the spot that they had to blow up oh yeah it looked like a zit on yeah. the back of the planet <laughs> and it was just like oh that's the spot yeah <laughs> okay they had a giant x painted on it <laughs> yeah. Uh, Han, Chewie, and Finn take the Falcon to the base where they make Captain Phasma lower the shields and then reunite with Rey. I heard a lot of disappointment from people in general to how little Captain Phasma was in the movie. Yeah. I agree, yeah. I think because the hype around Captain Phasma, like, I think at one point before the movie came out, they said that she somehow was like a Jedi killer Mm -hmm. or that she was a Jedi hunter, like in the line of Boba Fett. And so I think that like hyped it up. Like everybody was like, Oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. We're going to see some interaction between her and Jedi. And like, you know, maybe she's very Boba Fett esque, mm-hmm. you know, because she has like a special armor. Yep. She has a, a cloak and, you know, she's got that sort of independent swagger that, you know, the other stormtroopers don't have. Mm-hmm. Like she's very distinct. But the fact that you see her in like two scenes for all of maybe like five minutes yeah. is like yeah. disappointing. From what I've heard, though, she's a huge part of the next movie. That's what I figured. I yeah. figured she, that was just her introduction. They're just establishing yeah. Yeah, characters. And right I now. mean, if, if her skill set is hunting Jedi, then I mean, that next movie is obviously her. That's going to be mostly her. Right, right. The X-Wing fleet still can't penetrate the weapon, so Han and Chewie set explosives to create an opening. Ren appears and Han confronts him, calling him by his birth name, Ben. <laughs> uh, and at this point, too, if if you're a movie fan in any way whatsoever, as soon as he walks onto that bridge, you know he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew it right away. Because not only did that happened, they also like gave him an audience. Mm-hmm. Like Chewie's yeah. watching, Finn and Ray come back in. It's like the odds of him making out of this are now nothing. I was very surprised that they were building like that. I thought that something was, but I like you're saying you're seeing all these pieces, and I was just already watching, saying they're not going to do this. Are they really? Yeah, yeah. I saw it coming a mile yeah. away. Yeah, but I loved the shot of Han walking out on the bridge, and uh, Kylo's already kind of halfway across, and you have that light shine down. Oh, mm-hmm. what a beautiful mm-hmm. friggin' shot! Yeah unbelievable he asks ren to abandon the dark side and return with him agreeing to do whatever needs to be done at this ren kills han by running his lightsaber through him and han's body falls into the reactor shaft back on dakar a quick shot of leia shows her reacting to the loss of han i thought that was a cool little thing to add in at this point 30 years later she is very much force sensitive oh yeah especially you know the the death, regardless of what's happened to him, it's it's her true love. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know she feels that he's you, right there. You know he is dead. That's not going to be something flying under and catching him. He's mm-hmm. he's done. How is the reaction in your theaters? 
to this scene. Pretty quiet. Yeah. Pretty quiet. I felt like air go out. Like people were like, <gasps> I think people just felt gut punch. Yeah. The, yeah. the, okay. So my theater was, I guess, a little bit more vocal about it. Okay. Like the two women behind me who were there with their kids, like, uh, they were both, uh, I would say they're about maybe like 35, 36. Mm-hmm. So they're in the same age range as us. Like they were like, no. And then one of them was like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> and then like there, there's these, the, a group of three people in the front row at the theater that I went to there, there's beer. So you can buy beer at the mm-hmm. bar. So there's these three kind of in the row in front of me. And then I hear one guy just be like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and just like stand up and walk out. And I was like, wow, he walked wow. out. Yeah. He just stood up walked out and, wow. then he, and then he came back in like t- oh, he was like, just getting another beer like five minutes no he came back in five minutes later he was just like like you could hear wow. him like, oh my like, god he got really affected yeah somebody was like super pissed and so it like really affected the people in the theater because they were like wow like i mean i think there were some people there that you know were like less affected mm-hmm. i mean i was like no no and, that, and that's the part that my the, the friend i went with is still processing today yeah you know i i had Heard rumors and and they weren't spoilers, but rumors that maybe Chewie was going to die in this episode. So I was sort of watching like when he gets shot, and mm-hmm. there's always in the back of my mind, did I catch a spoiler I didn't want? And then when that happened, I was like, oh well, Chewie's not dying right now because mm-hmm. you're not gonna, you've just yeah. killed off possibly the most popular character of the original crew. Right, so. right. I I was affected by it, but would have been affected more if I didn't see it coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. Like all the evidence was there. They clearly built the steps leading up to it. So if he didn't kill him, that would have surprised me. I was in denial leading up to the very <laughs> happening of it. Like I was just like, no, no. See, I, I wasn't I was so much. Like, I was like, this is appropriate. It felt right. Yeah. Like, like I didn't want Han to die, but it felt the way things should have happened. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to further progress in the dark side, you know, having those attachments to, especially someone like Han, who is so closely tied to the light. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense for somebody who is following the dark side to, to kill eliminate, his father. Yeah. To, yeah. To eliminate that from his life. I mean, the Sith are so unforgiving mm-hmm. and like, especially if they view that sort of that tie as a weakness. I mean, mm-hmm. it makes a whole lot of sense, but that doesn't erase the fact that, I mean, like a whole time I was just, oh, just take the fucking saber. Yeah. Just know, take right? the saber and leave on the Millennium Falcon. Just or just turn it towards him and just kill your son. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chewbacca yells, great yell from Chewbacca, yeah. and just goes apeshit, yeah. blasting every stormtrooper he sees. Turns into fucking Rambo. Yeah. He just starts blowing. And then, out. with just no regard for himself or others, detonates all the explosives right there. Yeah, like, right. I think at that point, he was like, well, fuck everything. Yeah. You know, we didn't touch on it, but I, I thought one of the great things, how long were, I mean, he and Chewie were, were buddies for, we figure, 40 years maybe that they were right. traveling around. And it's the first time that he ever got Chewie's bowcaster. Yeah. And when he shoots, he's like, wow, this thing's awesome. Yeah, right. I thought that was a cool little that bit of That was yeah. great. Yeah, I know. And all that time, he'd never. Never shot the bowcaster. Nope. When he does, he's like, wait, I, I got to get one <laughs> I of want these. one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the X-Wings are now able to do damage to Starkiller Base, so they go in and do their thing. Ren chases Finn and Rey onto the surface and force throws Rey into a tree, knocking her out. So then we get the moment from the trailer again of Finn taking the lightsaber uh, going to fight with Anakin's lightsaber, but he's wounded when Ren strikes his back with the saber. I thought Finn was done here. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be paralyzed or something. Like, I don't know, like, how he, like, cut him with the back. I like, know. Get, I don't know how he's not mm, dead. Like, fillet him like a fish almost. And yeah. Just, ugh, that was brutal. I think they were trying to push us towards thinking he might be dead. Right. And I'm still not entirely sure he's not dead. 
I, I think I think the later moment we get with him and Ray, yeah, says that he's going to be alive. It, it, we did hear what I assume is a heartbeat on the medical table he's on. Yeah, but the, what she had said, like. I believe we'll see each other again. Mm-hmm. Something along that. It almost makes it seem like she's talking about an afterlife. So it, I think it's still somewhat vague, but it, he's not going to be. If he comes out 100%, I'll be disappointed because mm-hmm. that wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. There's got to be something wrong with him at this point. Uh, Ren then attempts to force pull Anakin's lightsaber that was dropped and it speeds past him into the waiting hand of Ray, which was the best thing in the movie that was great it was great holy crap and the applause yep. from the crowd both times that was phenomenal such a hero moment but i think you know the the ignition of a lightsaber is kind of like the atomic breath in godzilla yeah for yeah. the movie you know yep. it's like whenever you see it happen you're like yeah it was even before her lightsaber went on though as soon as she caught it in her hand it was yeah. holy crap everyone goes nuts and it was such a good way to do it the misdirect of it going toward yeah, him yeah. and then flying past him so good uh the two then fight and ray manages to summon the force to overpower him she then boards the falcon with finn and chewbacca who managed to leave the planet as it explodes Okay, so here's my here's my second gripe with yes. the movie, the lightsaber fight. Did it kind of look like two kids playing in the backyard? Yes, but I feel like there's a reason for that. For one, Ray is clearly not that trained, mm-hmm. and Ren is a friggin' tantruming child. He yeah. has no control whatsoever. Every time he gets pissed, he just takes his lightsaber. To He's things. so yeah. undisciplined. I like that about him. Yeah, I really liked how he just would lose his temper and just. That scene Smash. where he's like smashing up the control board and the two stormtroopers, yeah. like they're like they turn around and go the other way. <laughs> and he has several tantrums yeah. through the movie, yeah, and definitely. I like that about him. And now I actually watched uh, Max Landis tweeted out a quick thing about how much he loves Kylo Ren. It was just a short like minute and a half video, and he said one of the things he would have really liked to see during that that I thought was interesting was if during the battle with Ray. One of the reasons that Ren is kind of unable to focus is, and he would just be saying to Ray the whole time, like, kill me. Like, he'd be toying with her a little bit, show that he's clearly the better fighter, because it is something weird about her skill level already being where it is. That's a little strange. But if he was toying with her and, like, giving her a lightsaber back and everything, and the whole time being like, come on, kill me, come on, kill me. But it actually meant two things. One, it was taunting. And two, he just killed his dad and the light side part of him is like, kill me. I just killed my father. Please mm-hmm. kill me. I can't deal with this. It would have been this like crazy intense fight. So I, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. But I also I do like what we got for sure. Yeah. I just I mean, like, I I hope that they presented the level of skill for a reason. Like there's going to be a progression into a better lightsaber. Battle. Right. Right. Because I mean, as bad as the Phantom Menace was. The last 10 minutes. The lightsaber battles were awesome. The lightsaber Mm -hmm. battle between like Maul, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan. That, I mean, it's one of the best ones. It's the only scene in the movie worth anything. Yeah. Like (laughs) you you can watch that the last 10 minutes of that movie and that's it. I mean, it's, it's that good. But But I I almost take it like, for one, you look at the style of lightsaber that Kylo Ren has Mm -hmm. and it's more like a claymore. It's like a two handed sword. So it's not, it's not like a saber. It's It's not not, elegant. Right. And I did like that where, 
there was collateral damage from the lightsabers. So you swung wide, you missed somebody, you hit a tree, the trees were coming down. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. I like that. But you're right. There wasn't that Jedi finesse, but he, uh, you know, arguably is not a Sith Lord. Right. And yeah. she's definitely not a Jedi. At but this point, he's so. supposed to be like the best of the House of Ren. Like he's the most skilled fighter. Or is top. he though? Or does he just have the most potential? Right. They, I mean, that's he, what they said. And the, or that's what, uh, Snoke said. Oh, he did. Like, okay. Snoke says it like in one of their, their, uh, conversations is like, you, the, the the I don't know what language he uses mm-hmm. exactly, but he says you the most skilled of the House of Ren. But it might not mean it might not mean his sword work. I mean, sure. we're seeing he can read people's right. minds with. I mean, that's way more powerful than like force than, than than being than able anything to swing. we've right. seen. Yeah. So that may it just may be his use of his mm-hmm. of the dark side versus being able to embrace it. Obviously, he's got that raw emotion, which is a Sith quality. Mm-hmm. So you know, it might be that into things that sure. we're talking about as opposed to just being able to swing a sword. Mm-hmm. I really like too that they continue to establish his. Injury, like Chewie hit him with a bowcaster after he mm-hmm. killed Han, and he kept punching that wound. Yeah, like there was something really visceral about that. That was his mistake. Like he made a mistake, and he keeps like beating himself up mm-hmm. over it. It kind of reminded me of um, the the killer monk in Angels and Demons, or was it Angels and Demons or Da Vinci Code, where you know he's oh, like, yeah, every yeah. time he screws up, he's like whipping himself. Yep. You know, like that kind of like self abuse in reaction to a mistake. Like that sort of mentality is very like cult-esque yeah yeah makes you it was his way of like powering forward yeah yeah like even though he's bleeding out it's just like fuck yeah yeah and that's that's another possible explanation for why ray was able to battle him at all is he was just he was not nearly a hundred percent at this point yeah uh then the resistance celebrates their victory while leia chewy and ray mourn the loss of han r2d2 suddenly awakens and reveals that he holds the map to luke's location with the only piece missing being the one bb8 was carrying with the map complete, Ray, Chewie, and R2 take the Falcon to a distant planet where she presents Luke with her father's, uh, her father's, we don't know that. <laughs> I'm already jumping ahead, uh, where she presents Luke with his father's lightsaber. And to me, this is where this to me solidified at the very least she's a relative, if not daughter, because the look when he pulls the, the cloak back, mm-hmm. there is, that look of him, like somebody's come to to confront him. Somebody's mm-hmm. found him, hands him the lightsaber, and then there's the look of recognition. Absolutely. Now the age at which she's dropped off, at whatever we think it is, seven, eight, nine mm-hmm. in, in Jakku, she is still very. I mean, her looks are very similar to where she is now. Sure. You know, you could it would definitely if you looked at them side by side, you say that's the same person. Or and Luke would so, be able to feel it anyway. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, I guess if it was his niece, it would be the same sort of thing. But I think on top of that, there's this, wow, like, that's why I felt it was, there was that recognition that it's, she's found me. Mm -hmm. And I I felt it was the family, like direct family, like maybe his daughter. Yep. Uh, But I mean, again, that's, doesn't really matter. It could be either one. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely, he's looking, he, he could be the one who dropped her on Jakku. Who knows? You know, very possible. Kind of like Obi-Wan did for him. Mm -hmm. Right. I like I thought that that look of recognition was more like there's somebody of the light who has come to see me like less about, you know, like recognizing her as a person, but mm-hmm. recognizing the light in her, you know, maybe and that interpreting that to mean that he's she's somehow related to him or maybe I don't know. Like, that's what I got from it. I, I like the look of the hand. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that, was awesome. that shot. Like it wasn't like a completed android hand mm-hmm. it was like obviously weathered by time and is on its last legs sure. so to speak so 
Yeah, but that scene was awesome. Either way, I thought Luke's choice of isolation over Yoda's was far preferable. Yeah, yeah. definitely not a swamp. <laughs> Dagobah versus like it was like Ireland. Island. Yeah, yeah. Like but, that. If you're gonna be alone, I mean, go but to those, tropics. But those stairs, though. Oh, geez, so many stairs. So many stairs. Like, what do you got to do to get groceries? Hey, <laughs> Luke had to lose weight for this movie, so he just went up those stairs over and over again. That's what it was. I, I thought, and I thought the the choice on how Mark Hamill was presented. Just, you know, you could see the beard coming yep. through. And when he pulls the hood back, just the way he looked, it was, I was right there. It was definitely totally. Luke Skywalker has been just, you know, by himself, a hermit and, and hiding away. And I, I hook, line and sinker bought it. And that last, it, the two, I said that there were a couple spots where I got emotional. Mm-hmm. The hug between Ray and, and Leia, uh, when they, where everybody else is celebrating, the two of them are having that Han is dead moment. Sure. Definitely got tears going. And then there was, it was more of a whoa, kind of like welled up, like wow, this is a great establishing final shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, was when they finally get that look between him with the hood off and her, and it's just that, and they do that swing around them, and that was just like, yep, great and, I, and, I, and I knew it was going to end right there. I knew it as yep. soon as it and boom, it hits, and I just I was like, yeah, and the whole stuff, literally half the people in there stood up to cheer for it, like got a standing ovation. Yeah. It was like, oh, awesome. oh, that was your reaction. My reaction was no, keep going. Oh yeah, no, I wanted more. I wanted more. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know I could have sat there, but for it, hours. but it didn't have people going, oh, because that that happened when I saw um, the first uh, Fellowship of the Ring, where they run off into the woods at the end of that, uh, and people, and you'd already been sitting in the theater for like two and a half hours, yep. and and people were actually like, oh no, you can't end there, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't that much. This it, one it was made sense. Yeah, it ended yeah. where it did, and people are all right. You can you can end it here, and we'll wait, and in two years we'll see. You know, 2017 Christmas time. Right. Tell us more. Right. So lingering questions I had kind of from this movie, and it's one that you pointed out. Uh, my first one is, what are the Knights of Ren? Like, what is going on here? Who are these people? Mm-hmm. Obviously, I guess they're Snoke's apprentices, which also goes against what we ever knew about Sith is that, or is he the only uh Sith within the Knights of Ren? Are they just like yeah. these minions that he leads? Like, what is this? Well, you get the, you get the impression that, on the, the, the dark side of things, mm-hmm. there's the First Order and then there's the House of Ren. Mm-hmm. And that they're in this sort of, I wouldn't say tenuous, but they're in competition with each other, but they may not very well like each other very much. Right. Because one's kind of like this mystical old religion mm-hmm. and the other one is this, like, you know, obviously like the, the remnants of the Empire. They, they embrace like military strategy, technology. Well, General Hawks and Kylo had a clear rivalry yeah, going yeah. on. But I mean, it, did it kind of remind you of like the rivalry between siblings? Totally. Getting, you know, totally. the affection of their, mm-hmm. their father or mother. Like the thing about the house of Ren is that it could be either one mm-hmm. because I mean, the, the precedent for the Sith only being like a, a, you know, an apprentice and a master is that's real, that's relatively new. It's from like the prequels or from, you know, yeah, from the prequels. Mm-hmm. Like in some of the older canon, like from the old Republic, there were Sith armies. Yeah. But the whole reason they developed the, the master apprentice relationship and having that being all there was, mm-hmm. was because they kept killing each other. Yeah. Well, there was a time in, in canon in one of the older, I don't know if it was a comic book or whatever. There was a time where, uh, Sidious, had um this guy engineer this like side these four cyborgs mm-hmm. who were supposedly going to if Vader screwed up were going to be his next 
and Vader destroyed them all. Interesting. You know, just prove these. I read an article this morning or last night that it was sort of like things in canon you might not be aware of. Mm -hmm. And it, what it did is it referenced back the certain books that are still considered and the comic books. Cause mm -hmm. I guess the comics now that are being written are considered within canon. The ones moving so, forward. Yeah. And things in, um, things happening like Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. So they, they referenced a few of those things. And that was, one of the things that um, was brought out that was a misconstru misconstrued that there isn't really the one one Sith master to okay. the one apprentice. Yeah. It had been said, but in times past, there had definitely been Sith who had had multiple people. I was going to say, because that's the one kind of rule that never seemed to really hold mm -hmm. strong. And I mean, the, in Star Wars Rebels, which is the animated series that's on Disney XD right now, mm -hmm. they have... Sidious and Vader. Mm -hmm. They're the two, you know, the, they're the Lord and the Apprentice. But they also have Inquisitors mm -hmm. who yes. are red lightsaber wielding right. force sensitive individuals who maybe not have, who maybe aren't as skilled as an Apprentice would be or as a Lord would be. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they're definitely, they definitely have agents, I guess, of themselves. Mm -hmm. Sure. Not necessarily having the title of Sith Lord. So. I mean, they could all be saber users. They could not. I mean, they might just be like bounty hunters. That, right, right. That have decided to ally themselves with the House of Ren. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't know. I think it'll be a cool revelation. Um, I will be super excited if like at one scene or another, like you see the House of Ren guys just all standing together and then you see a whole bunch of red lightsabers just go off and it's just like, yeah. like you know, just like get super excited. Cause that's like, I mean, that's something that I, I want to see. Yeah. You know? I mean, there are a bunch of other questions that we could go into, but then we're, I assume most of the stuff's going to be covered in other movies. Like they talked about, uh, Anakin's lightsaber. Like Luke lost that in Bespin. So somehow that got into the hands of Maz Kanata. And she did make mention that that's a story for another time, something along those lines. And it's like, good question, but that's, that's for another time. So, uh, things like that I'll kind of leave alone. But the, the, another thing too was like, why did Luke never train Leia? Didn't Yoda ask him specifically to do that? Like, when he was saying, like, yeah. there's another, you should train her and all that stuff. I don't know that he says you should train her. Uh, there was something along those lines. Like, someone suggested, or maybe it was Obi-Wan. I think somebody suggested to Luke that he mm -hmm. should train Leia. I think I seem to remember something along those lines. I but watched Jedi yesterday before I went, to, just so I didn't have time to watch this. And I, the, the speech is more or less, take that information, because... Yoda, before he dies, says there's another Skywalker. Right, right. He doesn't reveal who it is. Right. But then when Luke is talking with, with Obi-Wan Obi -Wan Force Ghost, he says, you know, it's Leia. And he goes, your, um, you know, your, your, your feelings, your instincts serve you well. Take that information and hide it away. Right. Because that, and that's where he ends it because he doesn't even go okay. further into it with the worries that if the more Luke would think about it, the more it's going to be present and, and Vader picks right up on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, sister. Yeah. Right. It just seems weird that it, I mean, maybe she did at some point and do something with it. And in the Timothy Zahn book, she certainly did. She sure, became a really, sure. she was a force healer. Yeah. But you know, now that's considered an extended universe and legends, not canon, which I was surprised that they did that. with. It could be that we just don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know the history, but overall, I mean, I, like I said, I really enjoyed the movie. My, my two biggest gripes, I guess would be, uh, one, while I love Domino Gleason and I thought he was great in the movie, he just didn't have the presence that I thought an older general might. Like mm -hmm. we had a uh, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin from the original trilogy, mm -hmm. and he was definitely like a wise, experienced kind of general, intimidating even. Right, and now you have like Domino Gleason's character, General Hawks, who's like this little 
shit. Yeah. Right, right. And I, I didn't get what I think I was supposed to yeah. from him. It created the good sibling rivalry mm-hmm. thing with Kylo Ren, but at the same time, if that was an older guy, they still could have been rivals and well, I mean, that dynamic between Grand Moff Tarkin and Darth Vader, you see it in the, in the movies. I mean, even Vader is respectful mm-hmm. of yeah. Tarkin. Like, Tarkin's like, cut the shit. Yeah, like, Vader's takes like, orders. all right. Yeah. And, and I mean, of all, I mean, you have a legendary screen actor with Peter Cushing as, sure. as Tarkin. So, sure. I mean, the camera loved that guy. You yeah. Know, and he could perform. So, you weren't going to find somebody in that same role, I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, and to, and I don't think you needed to. I actually think, the first order being younger and more brash, a lot of the top lieutenants, and I mean, this is 30 years later, but mm-hmm. you're looking at all the top brass and everybody were probably close to the emperor when, when the Death Star was destroyed. Yeah. So what you've got is these, these young uprisings and, you know, you're going to get guys who are the best military, uh, people, but they're going to be younger, you know, so they're going to be in their thirties or their twenties. Yeah. I just thought it was funny when he was yeah. out there giving that big speech before they fired the uh, Starkiller weapon. And you see, like, this older guy right behind him. I'm like, that guy should be the general. <laughs> like, he looks like he knows what yeah. he's doing. Don't let this guy get away with whatever he's doing. But uh, aside from that, my only other gripe with the movie, and while I I, I will not say that uh, I didn't enjoy it in any way whatsoever because I friggin' loved it, but it, was, it felt very um, rehashing of A New Hope. Mm. It was very formula. I mean, it was get the thing that the droid has so that we can do this other thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big base and a weak spot and the fighters. And it was very formulaically a new hope. So while I enjoyed the new characters we were introduced to and learning about them, that was the draw of the movie to me. I kind of wish they had gone in a different direction. Then here's the big base we have to blow up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's also, I mean, there's the potential for the future, right? I mean, does this new trilogy follow four, five, and six in the way that big base destroyed Sith come back? I hope not. You know, like, <laughs> right. And, you know, or will it, will it follow like a different path? I mean, like we were, we were talking about earlier, Phasma is going to have a much bigger role in mm-hmm. the next movie. The next movie could just be sort of like a less, Jedi Sith relationship and more of just the hunt for the Jedi, mm-hmm. which I mean, you know, it's just like it's, it's, it could be like the fugitive in space. Sure. You know, right. Sure. Where you're like trying to hunt down and that's the entire movie. I hope it'll be something along those lines or, you know, not necessarily as formulaic like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Right. Is Ray going to be just, all right, now Luke is at, at Dagobah and he's training with Yoda. Right. Yeah. Right. Training with- Are you swapping I, a swamp? It does kind of island? set up to now rehash Empire mm-hmm. and I don't want that. Yeah. I don't think they will, honestly. Yeah. Honestly, no. but uh, I, I would have liked to see a little bit more of a divergence from what we're already familiar with. It's in good hands. The uh, episode eight's being directed by Ryan Johnson. That's who did, true. Yeah. Who did Looper and Brick and some, yeah. and he's, I mean, he's great, great, great eye for just, you know, the way he, he shoots things. So mm-hmm. I was my, the friend, coincidentally, the friend who uh, I went with is also a filmmaker. That's what he does for a living. Okay. And um, so it's interesting when I talk about things like with, with him as far as, and when he heard it was Ryan Johnson, he was up, oh, he goes, that's, that's a great choice. He goes, yeah. that, that film will be in good hands. So. Yeah. I hope I like I have a I have a hope for the next few movies in that I mean I think kind of already went over one is purely aesthetic almost is that Ray turns out to be like Satil Shan and have the double ended lightsaber and have that sort of look of like calm ferocity because she mm-hmm. already kind of has it you totally know? 
Um, my second one was for Finn. <laughs> it's it's going to be a little racist. Cause, but there, I mean, there was only like one black dude in the original movies, right? <laughs> so like you're thinking like, oh, black dude in this movie, black dude in that movie. Could he be Lando's son? I don't know. You know, like there were some thoughts that maybe he used the lightsaber because he's also kind of force sensitive right. because he's actually the son of Lando and Leia. That was a rumor going yeah. on. There was actually one of the one. It was, I think it was um. I think it was uh, like a, a curveball. I think they just threw it out there to, to mess with like a red herring. Mm-hmm. But uh one of the the runs of toys or something like that when they went over like the uh they released what the cards looked like for the back piece mm-hmm. and there was, they said um you know Finn the son of uh son of smuggler slash gambler Lando Calrissian. Oh jeez. So they totally threw that red herring out there and I mean now it's obvious well no it's not obvious but it certainly feels obvious that that was a red herring mm-hmm. with his bring upbringing as a stormtrooper. But sure. Because I mean they they explain it a little bit right they're like oh I was taken as a child right and I was, he has no memory yeah of his I have parents. no memory of my parents or whatever that would be great if like Lando comes in and I know like, right hello son <laughs> like dad I'd be down for it have some my Colt forty five awesome like oh. Is that the is that the Millennium Falcon? Mistake your first spin. <laughs> I don't think any one of us would be disappointed if Billy D. Williams showed up. Oh, not at all. He's in there. And you know, you, you got to think just with the size of. Let's go back to New Hope real quick. The size of the galaxy that they're all in, and Luke finds his twin sister, and mm-hmm. all this. It's fate. Now we're in this storyline, and all these people are sort of falling together by fate, and all orbiting so each other. So, would yeah. it really, with the the force drawing people in or whatever, would it really be all that horrible? It wouldn't be so, um, you know. It's a very cli- Star it Warsy be, thing. To it do. wouldn't be cliche to have it happen, and no. I don't think anybody would be disappointed if you found out that he was stolen from his family, and, right. and it was Lando and some some woman on some some leisure planet somewhere that had a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it, though. I mean. Well done. I'm, I'm very happy. I, I would say like, obviously the original trilogy are still the three best in my mind, but this now becomes the fourth best Star Wars movie. A lot of people on, uh, night one and night two coming out of it were saying often critically people consider Empire Strikes Back as the best of the original mm-hmm. trilogy. Um, I bounced back and forth between the original and, and they were saying it was the second best to Empire mm-hmm. at worst third best to Empire and Star Wars was wow. what people, people were walking out. And so that was what I heard before High I praise. saw it. And I certainly feel more comfortable mentioning it with Star Wars and Empire and Return of the Jedi than I do with the prequels. It, it's definitely ahead of the prequels. Absolutely. Yeah. Very happy with what they did. Would you say that it's a new hope for the new movies? New? Oh, boy. Hey, come on. Actually, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Yeah. All right, then. Final thoughts or something you'd like to plug, Paulo? Uh, nothing to plug. All right. Mawa. Go on thegeekgeneration.com and find the link to become a patron on Patreon. Yes. It's good to do and support the show, and you get more fresh content more frequently. Thank you. Uh, to see everything else we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration and follow at geekgeneration on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back soon with more geeky stuff for you, and we'll see you then. Later. Make it so.